Hi, I'm your host, Mary Sheehan, and thank you for tuning in to episode two of Women in Product Marketing. I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much to our listeners for your support. It's actually been a bit overwhelming to receive so many positive messages about this podcast, and I'm realizing how needed it really was. Please keep them coming, and thank you so much for your support so far. Happy to also share that this podcast is now available on Apple, as well as Spotify and online at sharebird.com. Please subscribe, share with someone you think will love it, and also give us a rating or a review while you're at it. In this week's episode, I sit down with Katherine Kelly of Slack to hear her story on accepting a new role, not only in the midst of a pandemic, but also while being seven months pregnant. Catherine's PMM superpowers are aligning stakeholders and messaging, and she gives some great tactical advice on how to manage both. She believes strongly in saying yes to opportunities that arise and considering decisions not only for the short term, but for the long term as well. Listen to this episode to hear more of her incredible story. Women in Product Marketing is proudly supported by Clue. That's Clue with a K, the competitive enablement platform for all product marketers. This podcast is produced by Sharebird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It is the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with your product marketing. And if you have any feedback on today's episode, things you liked, things you want to hear more of or anything else, please just send me a note on LinkedIn or email podcasts at sharebird.com. Now a word from our partners at Clue. Meet Jen. She's selling her division's product to a savvy new prospect. And unfortunately for Jen, she's about to get blindsided. So that sounds great, uh, but your competitor just launched something very similar. Uh, how do you compare? Jen needs to move fast. With a few taps, she leverages up-to-date intel her product marketing team has curated with Clue. Later in the show, we'll hear more on how Clue helps reps like Jen win deals every day. Learn more at clue.com slash Mary. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan, and I'm thrilled to be speaking to Katherine Kelly, Slack's new head of product and solutions marketing. At the time of recording, she has been at Slack for just a month. And prior to that, she was the senior director of product marketing at Zendesk. So you might know about a little company called Slack who had one of the best tech IPOs in recent memory and is now powering many of our virtual work lives. Catherine's PMM superpowers are aligning stakeholders and messaging, so can't wait to dig in with her. Welcome, Catherine. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing really well. How are you? Doing great. Thanks so much for being part of this. And today, I'd just love to start off with one of my favorite questions uh, to get the ball rolling. What have you learned lately? Ooh, that's a good one. Being in shelter in place and quarantine for so many months. I think the thing that sticks out for me is I really learned the value of getting outside and getting out of the house, clearing your head. I've been doing a lot of long walks and especially with the fires lately, keeping you indoors, I've come to appreciate that so much. So that would be one thing I would focus on is like, hey, how can you get outside and especially get away from the screen, get away from the virtual meetings, take a walk. I've learned that that's critical critical element to life at this point. I totally agree. I feel like that's the only thing keeping me sane around here. So thanks for sharing that. And now you have been head of PMM at arguably two of the best product marketing companies out there, Zendesk (laughs) and Slack. And so 
I really have to admit, I'm a bit of a fangirl and both of those companies and their product marketing and they're frequently ones that I follow in terms of, you know, how you guys are doing launches, looking at the blog. I love the name of the blog for Slack, by the way, <laughs> um, many people typing, um, but I'm just such a big fan of both brands and it's really a, a pleasure to get to talk to you today. Can you kick us off by talking a little bit about your time at Zendesk and also your journey to the new role that you've just taken on at Slack? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for saying that. Definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky to have gotten to work at two such fantastic companies with great brands, like you say. So yeah, I was at Zendesk for six years. So I saw, you know, really a huge transition. I started at Zendesk right after they IPO'd and really just went through this journey of maturing our go-to-market overall and specifically within product marketing. So it was really interesting. I feel like I learned so much and I got to do so many different things from really starting as a senior individual contributor and getting to get my hands into a lot of different projects all the way through starting to build my own small team to the very end. I was actually running product marketing for all of our support products. So that whole portfolio, I was also focused on our SMB buyer and I also worked on our CX kind of service offerings. So it was a really great journey of getting to see kind of all those different pieces come together um, and learn from so many real experts across the marketing sales and product teams at Zendesk. And then it was a hard decision. It was hard to leave Zendesk, but Slack is such an interesting uh, company and such an interesting space. And so chatting with them about the opportunity and the potential and what they were trying to do, it just felt like an unmissable opportunity. And getting to meet the folks on the product marketing team there, they're doing such great work. Um, and so I'm really excited about the opportunity to work with them and to kind of take them to the next level um, on their journey. So yeah, I think it's really exciting. That's awesome. What an awesome overall journey that you've had and a fun and amazing time to join Slack too. I think it's kind of powering the way that we all do work right now, <laughs> being yeah. home and you know, virtually connecting. I don't actually know what we'd really do without it. I know uh, our team is on it all day long. So that's, that's awesome. You're also joining at a really interesting time personally, as you're expecting. So congratulations. I'd love to hear about how you thought through that process, because I know, you know, for myself, a lot of women that are pregnant or, you know, newly have a baby, it's something that you're really considering, you know, wow, should I take this leap? Should I make a huge change in my life? So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your decision process there. And I think it's so badass that you're doing this. And also I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you're onboarding and setting up your team for success since you're uh, going to have a new baby pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. There is a real way to look at what I just did and think that I'm a little insane because, you know, I uh, joined a new company in the middle of a pandemic. And while I was seven months pregnant, I think when I started, and so it's a really unique way to join a company. And um, I actually did talk to a lot of other women, mothers specifically about that and about like, you know, am I really crazy to think about taking on a new team, a new job, a new role when I'm so soon to be out with my family? And I got a lot of really great advice about 
striking when the iron is hot, you know? And I think that that resonated with me. It's like, this was an opportunity I was so excited about and why walk away from it for something short term, right? It's, it's a big deal in the moment. It feels like a huge deal. Like I'm about to be out for four to five months with my newborn, but in a year from now, what's the Delta, you know, what's the difference. And if this was the right opportunity for me and the right company to be at and something I was really excited about and where I could add value, that's a long-term decision, not a short-term decision. So the advice that I got from, from other women and other mothers who had done this in the past or who thought through similar things in the past was sort of don't get in your own way. And that was really powerful for me. It was also really interesting to interview in that mindset because I was kind of interviewing from a position of, I had my position at Zendesk and I could be very upfront with Slack and say, you know, this is the situation. And I heard resounding, you know, in every conversation that I had with them, they're like, you know, we're trying to fill this role. We want the right person on the team. You have to take care of your life. Your life comes first, but like, we want you on the team. So that's the more important thing. And so it was really actually great to be able to have that conversation up front. You hear from so many companies, we put our employees first, or we understand the life dynamics of our employees. But it was actually kind of powerful to have that conversation so real and authentically in the interview and, and see them come through like that. It, it just felt, made me feel even more strongly that this is a place that I could belong long-term. So that was really cool. That's such a refreshing approach by you thinking about it as something long-term and then to meet the right employer that is thinking about that too. That's such a great, great connection that you guys had. And Um, you asked a little bit about, um, sorry, I know I didn't answer the full question because you asked a little bit about the, you know, how do I set up my team for success in that? Definitely top of mind for me because I basically started, I had six to eight weeks, give or take for the entire onboarding process before I'm going to be out um, for four to five months. And so that's top of mind because I have, you know, three, three teams reporting to me now. So I'm looking at core product marketing. I also have the solutions team and I have competitive. So I'm trying to think through for kind of each of them, how can I work with them on, you know, where they're at, what their goals are. I don't want to derail anything that they're doing or kind of set anything off course right when I'm about to go out. It's not a great time to make big changes or to introduce new ideas or policies. So it's really been an interesting experience of, I want to understand what you're doing and where you're at, how I can help or how I can make connections for you and then get out of your way. So it's also a very like cool way of thinking about how you empower your direct reports because I have to empower them to keep plugging away while I'm gone. So it's, it's a different dynamic. You know, I'm not really coming in and trying to shake everything up. I'm really trying to come in and think about how I empower them, which is the type of leader I like to be anyways. So that's been really beneficial. Is there a piece of this um, with the onboarding and with thinking about setting up your team for success? Is there a piece of this that is around stakeholder management that you're considering right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think really, especially as a product marketer and a a leader in product marketing, so much of what you do is working with stakeholders and working cross-functionally and trying to help create alignment across all the different priorities of sales and marketing and product and all the different variations and flavors therein. And so what's interesting about it is that I'm really going to be doing this in two very clear phases. It's like 
this first onboarding period, I really only have time for the listening tour. You know, I really only have time for the part where I go around and hear what everybody has to say. And I'm not able to jump in right away and start trying to solve, which I actually think is a good thing. I think sometimes if you come in and start immediately trying to solve problems or make changes, you sometimes either get ahead of yourself or you actually kind of get going down the wrong path because you don't fully understand the context yet. So it's really forced me to embrace that I am 100% in listening mode um, with my stakeholders and I'm on that listening tour for this uh, first piece. And then what I'm going to be able to do when I come back is reference all these notes of things that I thought we should start to get into and see where we're at and pick that up. So that's kind of an interesting thing of it being so separate. I love that. And yeah, I, I use the listening tour frequently when I'm onboarding for new roles. And I was just thinking, wow, I should probably do this every year. And the way I kind of construct it, I don't know if you do something similar, is I ask every single stakeholder the same five questions. So then I have this matrix and you can kind of roll it up and it's actually usually very eye-opening even to people that have been there for quite a long time. So I don't know if you have uh, specifics around how you run your listening tours that would be helpful. Yeah, I mean, actually, I think that's a great idea. I wish I'd talked to you sooner. I like the idea of coming up with the five specific questions that you're going to repeat. Basically, the way I prepared it was by sort of department and team and um, looking at the calendar that was set up for me around like who I should meet first. My onboarding letter was a starting point. And then I've just been flushing out from there. So I've kind of approached each one-on-one uniquely, but I've been taking like a set of notes coming out of that. And then I have this massive, oh my God, onboarding document where I'm like keeping track of different notes and themes and then starting to bubble that up. I mean, true product marketing, right? Like let's put all of these notes here and then let me get down to what the three to five themes are of everything that I've heard, um, turn that into projects and then turn that into to-dos. And then I've been basically cycling that up to my manager and then sharing that with my directs so that we can talk through what of this is actionable? What should we be thinking about? Because like I said, I'm not really in a position right now to just start making changes, but I want to make sure that I'm arming my team around me to use that insight um, and think about that going forward. So that's kind of where we're at. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing all of that. And since stakeholder management is one of your PMM superpowers, I want to dig into this topic a little bit more Outside of the onboarding, what have you found to be most effective really in getting stakeholders aligned around things as big as the whole marketing strategy? Yeah, I mean, I have way more experience, obviously, doing that at Zendesk uh, than Slack at this point. But really, the way that I thought about it is that stakeholder management at the core is about empathy. It's understanding what each of your stakeholders really needs and what they're stressed about, what they're accountable for, why they might be agreeing or disagreeing with something um, that's on the table. And so if you're thinking about stakeholder management in that you're trying to drive alignment or you're trying to drive agreement or get approval on something, if you start from that place of empathy of, well, why would the head of sales not like this plan? And if you can understand why he's reacting the way he's reacting or why the head of marketing, why she thinks this is a great idea or not, whatever that might be, you can start to head that off, right? And you can start to have a real conversation with them. And that's not argumentative and it's not just consensus building. It's truly understanding where are we trying to get together and getting everybody aligned. 
So I think that's where the magic happens. It's not always easy, but yeah. I love that perspective. So it takes it out of just kind of checking the box, making sure everyone has seen it and approves it into the psychology of where their feedback is actually coming from and how they're bringing that to the table. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's really great takeaway. Now we'll pause for a quick word from our partners at Clue. Not a day goes by in sales that someone doesn't ask how your product compares. Earlier, a friend Jen dug herself out of a tight spot with Clue, the product marketer's platform for handling all things competitive. Clue helps product marketing teams collect intel from coworkers, Slack, emails, and the web, putting it all into one place that's always up to date and giving Jen the superpowers she needs when she needs them. Listen in at the end of this episode to hear how Clue empowers every team across the org with insights, something we call competitive enablement. Learn more at clue.com slash Mary. Welcome back. We are in the midst of speaking about stakeholder management with Catherine Kelly, head of product marketing at Slack, and are now thinking about how this plays out with developing messaging. What about for something as tactical or can be tactical as messaging. How do you align multiple stakeholders around exercises in messaging? I mean, messaging can be so opinion driven because we all have our way of speaking. We all have a narrative that makes sense to us of how we might want to think about a story coming together. And so it can be especially tricky when you're doing any kind of messaging work through a lot of stakeholders because everybody has that just that opinion that, that like, well, that doesn't sound right to me, or this is how I would say it. And so I find that a couple of things are helpful. I think one is anything that you can do. I'm going to say the word testing, but I don't mean A-B testing. And I don't mean trying to decide your messaging based on click-through rates on an email, because that can be a little bit um, impersonal. But I think that being able to actually road test it with customers and and actually see somebody react to the story for the first time can be very, very helpful and help to kind of break out of just the echo chamber of opinions and kind of get some external validation on it. And I think also being able to break it down out of being in a slide deck or being in a long document and like really break it down to its component parts and be like, these are the pieces. Can we agree on the things that we're trying to say, the the basic framework to what we're trying to accomplish so that you don't get so wrapped up so quickly in the visual on a slide or the particular word in a headline? um, Because that can be the easier place to focus if you're not careful. Totally. Yeah. And the wordsmithing and the creative preferences, I feel like can just drain you and take the process into so many more months or, you know, even longer than you wanted it to be. So that's great. And then in terms of thinking about those stakeholders, and I know that a lot of women, this is the women in product marketing podcast, a lot of us have a lot of trouble being self-promotional. So how in your career have you thought about keeping stakeholders informed and even broader the company as a whole on the activities that you and your team have done and and, you know really telling and selling your achievements from the rooftop in a way that you are comfortable with yeah i mean i definitely get that feeling of you know not wanting to feel self-promotional i think if you are a, a leader in product marketing the easiest way around that is to focus on your team you know, focus on promoting your team because you're a part of your team and your team reflects you and you reflect them and you owe it to them to shout 
from the rooftops for them and, and talked about all the great work that they do. So if you can recast that in your mind, sometimes that will be a little bit easier off the bat to, to think about it, not as saying, you know, I did this or I did that, but this is what the product marketing team has accomplished. And just that small recast can maybe help you think about it a little bit more objectively so that it's like, okay, this is an important update. I should share this information. It's not just bragging or, or being self-promotional. I think beyond that, if, if, you're, if you are a team of one, if you're an individual contributor, the same type of advice, but like step out of it for a second and think about like, I'm not sending this email just to, to talk about myself. I'm trying to inform people about the work that's happening. And it's really important that people understand that. So you can um, try to, to lend an objective eye to it and start there. Yeah, I love that advice. It's kind of like the classic advice they give to women in negotiations for salary, which is don't necessarily think of yourself. Think about all the people that you represent, your family, your child, your spouse, you know, you're, you're negotiating for them, not just yourself, to place yourself out of that. So by focusing on your team and kind of taking some of the emotion out of it and being more objective, I love that. Getting over that hump. And in product marketing, I loved how you talked about how your team is organized. So let's dig into that a little bit more. But there's always this conversation around, should the team be organized around PMM generalists or PMM specialists? How do you organize your team and how do you think about the roles within each? And is there a best kind of solution? Should people be trying to build out their entire PMM toolkit or does it make sense to lean into competitive Intel really in a big way? How do you think about that? And can those two exist within the same person or even within the same team? I think that's a great question. I am a strong believer that there is no perfect product marketing organization. There just isn't an answer. I've been in enough product marketing groups to also be validated in that no one else seems to have the answer either. And so to me, it's more of an evolving challenge. So especially being somewhere like Zendesk for so long, it was an evolution. Uh, the team that I left after six years looked nothing like the team I joined in the beginning. And there were so many phases in the middle. And I kind of expect that at Slack too is here we are, but where will we be in six years is a totally different question. And I don't think there's an end state so much as what are the needs of the business? And I think that's probably a big part of it is that product marketing, just by nature of its function, being in the midst of so many different priorities from product, from sales, from marketing, you're always rethinking how to best optimize for the needs of the business. And so I don't think that there's an answer to that in terms of like, you know, how should people think about it for their careers? You need to answer it for yourself. If you're incredibly interested in competitive intelligence and that's what you want to do, by all means, specialize in that. There will definitely be companies who need that specialization, you know, and if you're someone who likes to have a little bit of your hands in everything, by all means, generalize. There will definitely be companies who need that as well. And I think looking at at my team right now, I'm brand new to it. I'm still kind of getting into it. I think we have a good blend. We have some people who are a little bit more specialized. We have some people who are a little bit more generalist. I absolutely look at the team and see them so strong in, in terms of the work that they've been able to do. And I can see so much capability to shift if they need to. So I think that's what's important if you're thinking about it from your career perspective is, you know, where are you happy? What do you want to do? And who do you want to be? is a big part of that equation. I don't think you can overthink that part. 
That's a great answer. So there's no perfect solution. Yeah. Uh, the age-old question, there's no perfect answer. And it really depends on your business objectives and the, the long-term goals and strategies. So I love that. Just being adaptable and flexible, as you've seen over the years in these different companies, and really pushing people to think about what they're interested in and, and expanding out from there. That's awesome. Yep. So I have a few rapid fire questions that I hope can help our listeners and let's get into these. So the first one is, what is the one thing that has been most important in growing your career? I think it's, it's almost similar to the answer I just gave. I said yes to a lot. I think even starting way back, I said yes to becoming a product marketer. I was in more of a consulting role and it, at every point where there was sort of an opportunity to like, Hey, do you want to work on this project? Yes, I do. I think that that's what's really built my career. And then I think once I was in product marketing, I said yes to a lot of opportunities that came my way. And that's what allowed me to keep kind of climbing and climbing and climbing. I love that. Say yes. That's a good <laughs> motto for 2020 and beyond. Yeah. I guess, I, guess I have to believe in that because I just did this, you know, big change. So yeah. Yes, I agree. <laughs> you said yes. And it's, yeah. it's working out. It's perfect. And I know it's a little awkward right now with everything being virtual and for maybe the next foreseeable future, certainly for a lot of the tech companies until next July or August, how are you networking right now? That's a great question. I'm relying a lot on the relationships that were built previously and reaching out to those folks. I think vulnerability is a big part of it. You know, I know we're in a group together and just coming out and saying, here's the thing that I don't have an answer for and I don't exactly know what to do and, and asking for help. I think that resonates with everybody. I think everybody has those moments. And so you can really connect with people pretty quickly when you just admit like, hey, I, I really need some help. I really don't know what to do here. And folks will really come to help you out there. That's awesome. So reconnecting with folks, being a little bit vulnerable, asking for questions. And yeah, I, we are in a group together. Um, we have a, our own Slack group, women leaders in product marketing. And I love it because we're all kind of just sharing whatever is you know happening in our PMM lives and asking questions. And it's, it's really great. So find, find your tribe, <laughs> your product marketing tribe. Right. Awesome. And, and they'll kind of lead you to more connections, right? You know, and you say, I, I have a question about this, or I'm trying to do this. You'll often hear from them. Oh, well, I should connect you to someone I know. Right. And so that can still happen in this crazy weird time, even though it's not live and it's a little awkward. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you have any mentors? Is that part of your professional growth? Yeah, yes. I, especially, you know, with the amount of time that I spent at Zendesk, there are a lot of folks there that I would consider to be my mentors, you know, went to for advice, really trusted them to help me grow my career, to help me think about things. I think I mentioned when I was making the decision specifically around pregnancy, there were a lot of women that I was able to speak to about that. I don't know that I've been as intentional about finding mentors as maybe some women's groups discuss, really go out and find a mentor. I feel like it's happened mostly organically around people who are my stakeholders and I'm working very closely with them. And then I think it comes down to that same vulnerability. You know, if you open the door by saying like, you know, I'd really love to talk to you on a different level. I'd really love to talk to you. I'm struggling with this question or I'm thinking about this and I really admire the way that you handled 
this problem or I saw you deal with this issue. When you come with that vulnerability, I think you can forge those kind of mentorship relationships really organically. And that's mostly how I've come about that more than really structured mentorships per se. Got it. And I love how you're talking about mentorships, plural too. In my last interview, we talked a lot about having multiple mentors. One person isn't maybe going to solve everything for you. So having multiple people, stakeholders, as you mentioned, or people along your career journey that kind of give you different advice and things that are really valuable to your career. It's also a kind of a lot of pressure otherwise, right? If you, if somebody like you're my mentor, like you're going to help me with all my questions, that's a lot. Versus if you just say to somebody like, I would love your advice because I've seen you do X, Y, and Z, and I would really appreciate to hear more from you. That's a lot easier for someone to jump into a relationship like that. And then that builds over time, that trust and that relationship builds to something that's a mentorship. Yeah. I, I absolutely think you should have multiple and the word mentor, but it's like, it's just multiple people in your life that you would go to for advice. And they should also be the people that if they ever asked you for advice, you would drop everything to do that for them. So it's a little bit of the two way. Reciprocal too. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a great point. Yeah. Having that mentor also giving back when you're in a a position where you can be a mentor as well. One of many mentors. (laughs) And what is one thing personally or professionally that you were the proudest of? Honestly, for me, it always comes back to my team. I think if I think about professionally, what I'm proud of, I'm always bragging on my team. I think I said that in an earlier answer about promoting yourself. I I always think about as I'm really promoting the team. And so, you know, that was really tough leaving Zendesk. I had a team that I was incredibly proud of and I'd seen so much growth at all levels of my team. And And that's something that I really miss. I miss them and I um, am proud of them. And I'm really excited about at Slack. You know, I'm meeting all my team right now. I'm getting to know them. Um, I'm seeing the incredible work that they do. And I'm really excited to work with them. So, you know, I think it always comes back to the team for me in terms of like what I'm proud of professionally. And I guess personally, I'm going to go with my kids, (laughs) you know, so. um, Your other team. (laughs) My other team, right? My family. So yeah, I guess it's always the team for me. So there you go. That's awesome. And last rapid fire question, just to round us out. Is there any other advice that you would have for women in product marketing? Yeah, just in in general, I guess I'm a true product marketer because I am scanning my answers for what kind of themes were in all of my answers today. But I think that something I said earlier kind of wove through a lot of my answers was say yes. And and don't be afraid to say yes, even when you're pregnant, even when it's a pandemic. If you want something and you feel like it's the right move for you and, it, and it's going to be good for you, say yes and use your network and use the people around you to help support you in that so that you can continue to, to grow and change. So, yeah. I love that. And, and one last question. <laughs> that was great. One last question. How can our listeners get in touch with you? How can they network and, and get to know you a little bit better? Yeah, I think the best is LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Awesome. I'll I'll include that for you. And well, (laughs) congratulations on your new job, the new baby, all of the fun newness in your life. This was such a fun conversation. I loved just digging into all of the different areas about being a mom, being a product marketer, building a team, everything from messaging to stakeholder management. So really appreciate that. Thanks everyone for taking a listen. 
please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and check us out next week. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Now a word from our partners at Clue. Salespeople want short, digestible insights. They don't want 17-page decks that are scattered across the web and who knows where. Clue makes it easy to create and deliver battle cards. In a pinch, sales teams can find them easily with all the insights they need on how to handle their competitors while working a deal. And with Clue, it's not just sales teams who want battle cards. The product team, customer success, and marketing, they all compete too. Now, everyone can compete to win. For any of you wondering how to put together a competitive enablement program or build battle cards that your sales team will love, head on over to clue.com slash Mary. That's K-L-U-E.com slash Mary and tell them that I sent you. And that wraps our second episode of Women in Product Marketing. Be sure to subscribe to Women in Product Marketing and share this with someone you think will love it. I cannot wait for you to hear our new episode next week where I interview Seema Kumar, the Chief Marketing Officer at New Relic. We talk about messaging and positioning and internal networking during COVID. You won't want to miss it. Thanks again for your support.